Hi, I'm Ron Yu, and you're listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to episode 98 of the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm Fabio Molly, your host. This week, I speak to Ron Yu. Ron is an experienced racket technician and has worked and is still working with the game's greats. He's worked with Agassi, Sampras, Federer, Djokovic, Murray, Mavrinka, and many more. He tells us all about life as a stringer and technician, traveling the world, challenges of COVID, player stories, and more. You're going to love it. If you're a listener, I'm sure you know Slinger are the official sponsors of the Functional Tennis Podcast. They make the awesome portable ball machine, the Slinger bag. And to celebrate our upcoming 100th episode, we're giving away one of the Slinger bags to you, to a listener. Entries are open to any country that Slinger shipped to. If you head over to functionaltennis.com, we have all the countries there. But offhand, they ship to USA, Canada, UK, Switzerland, most European countries, Australia, Japan, India, and Israel. To enter, all you have to do is take a screenshot of your favorite Functional Tennis Podcast episode and tag our podcast account, which is Functional Tennis Podcast, and also tag the Slinger account, which is Slinger Bag, on your Instagram story. We'll keep a record of all the tags and then a random winner will be picked and it will be announced on episode 100. If you have any questions, you can just send me a DM at our Instagram account or send me an email at fabio.functionaltennis.com. Okay, let's chat to Ron. Hi, Ron. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you? I'm great, Fabio. Thanks for having me on board. I'm really excited to have you on. You've been in stringing a long time and racket modification and you've worked with many greats over the years. So really excited to hear what it's like working with the greats and what's it like working as a, I call you a racket doctor. What's the best word to describe what you do? A racket technician, you know, we, you know, you call me a stringer, although stringing is only part of it and, you know, stringing, customizing. So uh, I guess a technician might be a kind of general term that you could use. Nice. And how many years have you been working as a racket technician? Started stringing in 1986 about 86 or 87. And were you a tennis player beforehand? No. Well, I went to university and my freshman year, I had a couple of friends that played tennis and they said, hey, let's go hit tennis balls, which I had never hit very much growing up. Uh, I would hit rocks with tennis rackets. You know, I wouldn't hit tennis balls <laughs> and fe- fell in love with the game, started hanging out at a tennis shop nearby and uh, and just became got deeper and deeper involved in the industry. And you just love stringing and working with tennis people. Just stringing is a love-hate relationship. I don't actually love the task of stringing. I enjoy watching a player use my stringing work uh, to fulfill their goals. I enjoy the travel aspect. The things that go with the stringing are fun. I'm not so sure. Like if you put me in a room with 20 rackets with no windows, I don't think I'd be too happy. No, but tell me, is that what slams are like? Can be. Slams can be uh, early morning stringing before the sunrise and then go to the courts, give the rackets to the players, and then you don't start stringing until maybe in the evening. So it's you're kind of on opposite uh, sides of the schedule that the players are at the courts. Yeah, let's talk about more of that in a sec. But before we do, just tell us what players have you worked with that are most well-known? When I worked for another company, my former company, I traveled a couple of years with uh, Andre Agassi. And then since uh, Nate Ferguson hired me at P1, you know, we've worked with, I've uh, done some work with uh, Pete Sampras, although Nate did the majority, vast majority work with Pete. But then also, you know, Tim Henman, Roger Federer, 
Novak Djokovic, Stan Vavrinka, Andy Murray, John Isner, Marcos Bagdadis, uh, quite, a, quite a number. And tell us, when you worked in your previous company at Agassi, remember Craig Shapiro mentioned you actually, he was a stringer as well, wasn't he? When I was hired by the company in 98, he had been working there for maybe a couple of years. Yeah, he was already there. I listened to it probably a year ago. You had an episode with Craig on his podcast. I thought that was great. It was a video and you were stringing Federer's racket at the time. I was, yeah. You must have probably did a few Samson's rackets or Agassiz's rackets or Federer's rackets. To see these guys, as you say, you get the most when they use them on court and see them get results. How does that make you feel? I think that when I started, and getting into the industry on the, you know, string for professionals at tournaments as, as a normal, let's say normal on-site stringer. Each, each tournament has an on-site stringing service. When you're younger, you, you're a little more nervous. The first time you string for a pretty big name, like maybe the first year the string service doesn't give you the big names. But when they get confident in your work, you get higher ranked players, bigger players. And when you have a player, you get a little more nervous in the beginning. If they're losing, you, you feel like you almost feel like, is this, did I do something wrong? You know? Uh, which is not the case. But as the years have gone on, I don't even think about it, to be honest with you anymore. You know, you just, it's another match. I mean, obviously you get to a final of a slam and you're stringing. <laughs> it doesn't make me any more nervous, but you know, it's it's a big match coming. Yeah, I could only imagine. And tell me how, from all the greats you've worked with, how meticulous are these guys? I'm female. Depends on the player, actually. Pete Sampras, he was really, really particular about his handles and the grip. You know, Nate had to do a lot of work to get to a point where, Pete was happy with the way the, the, the grips worked. Grips compress. When, you, when we first customize a racket and you wrap a new grip on a racket, be it a synthetic grip or a leather grip, in the very beginning, the grip actually compresses by the pressure of the player's hands. So Pete could feel that compression. So after, let's say, a few weeks, he, they felt different from when he first got them. So sometimes what Nate would have to do is he would have Pete play with eight rackets at tournaments and then on practice days, Nate was already working in eight new rackets. So by the time Pete would use them for matches, they felt the same as previous match rackets. So Pete was very particular about that part. But with strings, Pete just wanted strings to feel pretty tight. He strung really, really at a high tension. On, a, on the flip side, a guy like Andre, he wasn't so particular about his handles. He was okay with slight variances as long as they were really pretty close but not finicky. But his tension, he was very particular about tension. You got two great players being more particular about one part of their racket setup than the other. So you got to work with the player. You know, some are very, very finicky about certain things and some, you know, not so much. What about Roger, let's say? Roger is shockingly one of the least finicky top players I've ever ha had to deal with. He knows what he wants and he trusts us to get the stringing right. But when it comes to things, he just says, I'll get used to it. Indian Wells is a big example during the daytime can be really hot in Indian Wells. But if matches start going a little slower and your late afternoon match suddenly becomes a night match, the temperature out there drops dramatically at night. And some players really get concerned that their tension might be too tight. As it gets colder, you know, the ball doesn't fly as fast. So they go usually looser. And I remember when we first started over for Roger, he had one of those matches was going. And I said, do you want me to take some rackets back and restring them to looser? And he just looks at me and goes, no, nah, I'll figure it out in a few minutes when I'm out there. You know, he just he doesn't let things bother him. And I tend to think that that helps because tennis is so variable. And unlike any other sport, unless you're the first match on, you don't know when you're going to play. You could be playing, let's say, your third match after 11 a.m. You could be playing as early as 2.30, 3 o'clock. You can be playing by 5, 6 o'clock. So you have to be pretty adaptable. And uh, I think 
like a, a Rafa who we don't work with, he's very adaptable as well. I think I think that there's a there's a real I wish players were really finicky because it would make my job much more important, but I think it helps a player to be concerned about their equipment, but not let it uh, overwhelm them and really get in their head that, oh, this doesn't feel, I'm off by half a kilo, I'm off by a quarter kilo, a tenth of a kilo in stringing today, because then they're on the court and that that works against them. Sorry, what females do you work with? We don't actually string for any of the females. We do some customizing in the office. We probably could take on some female clients now, but when Nate first started the company and I joined them a few years afterwards, there weren't a lot of combined events other than the slams. You know, you had you had Indian Wells in Miami, but other than that, um, we normally string at the Masters and Grand Slams. And when we first started, there weren't that many combined events. So it was hard for us to get into stringing for the women. But now there's, the combined events are increasing and uh, it, it'd probably be actually uh, very possible for us now. So you're mainly at the Masters and the Slams. What do the players do? Let's say they're playing ATP Tour 500 or Davis Cup. Are you shipping rackets out to them or they're just using their local stringers? No, they would use the uh, on-site service. Each, each tournament has some on-site stringing service. And I probably go to like four 500s or maybe a 250 during the year if a, if a client requests me to go, then I'll go where Nate will go. Okay, great. It's good to know because I thought maybe some players, goes back to your finicky thing where I'm sure it doesn't matter as much, but for the more finicky player, they probably want Ron stringing my racket every time. Nobody else is allowed to touch the racket. I wish I were that important, Fabio. <laughs> yeah, I like it. And how does a player, let's say Federer or, I'm not sure Andy Murray's no longer with you, but any other players who are with P1, what way does that work when does a player sign a yearly contract with you? Yeah, Andy still is with us uh stringing you know he gets his rackets customized by head but we still we still do stringing for him so unless you know something i don't which is possible fabio we're sometimes the last to find out no well you get his rackets so yeah the way it works is usually we call it a yearly contract but it's more a tournament it goes four slams and eight of the master series events we don't include monte carlo because it's not a mandatory event and we call that a yearly contract but it could actually extend beyond that so let's say a player gets hurt they only play two slams that one year and and maybe five of the Masters events, we add on additional events. So each contract is worth four slams and eight Master Series events. So you're on site there. Are you normally at the Player Hotel or at a different hotel? Usually we'd stay at the Player Hotel or another hotel close by. But with Advent Airbnb, we've been staying a lot at Airbnbs the last four or five years. It's just more space to work in. So you say typical days, you're up early, yeah. string and rackets, players go to practice courts, you're there, you give them the rackets. What do you do in the afternoon then, the early morning afternoon? Say we've got a lot of players and we're up really early, like let's say three o'clock in the morning starting to string. Go to the courts maybe mid to late morning, give players rackets. And then if we've got, might not need to pick up rackets till maybe, you know, three, five o'clock, somewhere in the afternoon. A lot of times I go back and take a nap because I know that I'm probably going to start working on players rackets in the evening again, maybe, you know, six, seven o'clock and maybe work for another five hours. So to be up at three o'clock and not finish stringing until 11, 12 at night, sometimes you want to nap in there somewhere. So, uh, And then maybe get to go watch a match late in the tournament when you know we're down to one or two clients. I have a little more time. Yeah, a bit more time. When they're still in the tournament, so you have a player or two still in there. 
This podcast is brought to you by ASICS Tennis. ASICS is a Japanese company founded in 1949 with the purpose of giving more people the opportunity to experience how sport and movement can have a positive impact on mental well-being. They just launched their most innovative tennis range ever. Get the new Cord FF3 Novak or Gel Resolution 9 at ASICS.com. ASICS Tennis have also just launched their new Cord FF3 Novak, the only tennis shoe designed with Novak Djokovic input. To learn more about ASICS, visit their website www.asics.com. I've definitely seen your post on Instagram before where you've had like Federer and Vavrinka playing. Was it a final or I can't remember who it was now, but you know, you the rackets lined up there and they're playing the final. What's it like stringing for these two? You know, they're all going. You know, the first time it really hit me because in a big match, you know, was when Andy Murray played Roger in the final of the US Open. And I thought, you know, this is going to be really nice. Me and uh, a former coworker, we went to the match and we're like, you know, this is going to be nice. We can relax. One of the guys is going to win. It's going to be a big win. It was not fun. It, uh, I felt bad because you knew one guy was going to lose as well. I mean, it's nice when you get two guys in a final, but it's a little bittersweet because, you know, one, one of the players is going to be really disappointed. But uh, it's not the worst thing. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining when we got two clients making a, a, a big uh, tournament final. That, that's a good thing. And they sort you out some good seats as well. They can, yeah, yeah. And what happens in the case where, I don't know, Andy says, I need this racket strong quickly here. Is that up to you or does that go to the... Usually we do our work in the hotel room or where we're staying. We're never usually working on site, except at Cincinnati where we're the official stringers. If our place is close enough and we can get back, we'll, we can do it. But most of the time, if they have an issue during a match or just before a match, they, they're going to have to use the on-site stringers. And, you know, by and large, the on-site stringing service at Massachusetts and Grand Slams, Grand Slams are quite good. So I, I don't have a problem with that. They know the situation. If something happens, yeah. they're well prepped. It's just crazy to work with these stars. You know, like you are, you say, you're, oh, you're not that important, but you are. Like it's, you're maintaining their tool that they use to perform their trade, which is pretty spectacular. It's a, it's, a, it's a responsibility for sure. And tell me, when you're back in your office there, is your shipping bill massive, shipping rackets all over the country? You know, it's not too bad. A lot of times we can bring rackets to tournaments. So, uh, you know, because a player, you know, they don't want to pay for shipping. Nobody does. But I tell you, the, the cost of shipping has gone up dramatically in the past uh, couple of years. But uh, yeah, we got it. FedEx gets a good bit, of, a good chunk of change from us for sure. Nice. And I just moved on a bit too quick there. But going back to the players playing, how many rackets on average do they have in their bag? And what sort of string tensions are they playing with? Most of our clients will probably travel with 8 to 12 rackets. We call them a batch. So when a player needs a new batch of rackets. And it, it depends on the player. Some some only need 8, travel with 8, and uh, some some as much as 12. But 12 is the max that we have right now for, for guys. We have a few guys that travel with 12 rackets. And is it a batch per match? No. Just for stringing, you mean? Yeah, yeah. It can be. Again, that varies by the player, you know. When we worked with Leighton Hewitt, he would typically, he had 10 rackets in his bag usually. And before the first round of a Grand Slam, he would have us string all 10 rackets. But for subsequent rounds, only the rackets he used in that match would he get restrung. So let's say he used four rackets in his first round. We only had to restring four more rackets for the, for the second round, and, and he would keep the old rackets. Most of our players, though, want fresh strung rackets for each round each match so if you've like six players playing on a monday you got a string let's say 80 rackets yeah i can get busy yeah wow was there something where i heard where somebody said one of the players they wanted their rackets to be strung last every night or last every morning there are players that want that yeah 
none of our guys. Our guys are pretty used to the way we string and, and the time frame, how we uh, set up their stringing schedule. So they don't even question that. But when we're on site at Cincinnati, you will get a player come in and they'll say, can you string this late? Like the last bat, the last group of rackets you string at night, or can you string this first, the first batch of rackets that you string in the morning? Yeah. Wow. They're just too sensitive, those guys. Yeah. Or too superstitious, you know, one or the other. Yeah. Are any of your guys superstitious? Not any more so than the average person, I don't think. Uh, you know, I think everyone's superstitious to a degree. I am. As a stringer, I'm superstitious. Raj laughed at me one time when he came in my room and he saw all his rackets there and I had it lined up a certain way. And uh, he says, wow, those are all lined I said, they're always lined up that way. And he started laughing that all the different players, I lined them a certain way. Nice. And what sort of strings are these guys using? Are they, is there still, I know back Pete Sampras was a big natural gut user. Right. Ag was Agassi a Kevlar user? Did he use Kevlar? Yeah. When I was stringing for him, 98 to 2000, he was using Kevlar and gut natural gut in the cross strings and then maybe 2002 2001 2002 he switched to luxalon polyester all around and no, nobody uses kevlar anymore do they no i used to use kevlar when i played yeah i was an okay recreation fan. i used kevlar when i played and then i strung one up with another racket up with kevlar just a few years ago it felt horrible i cannot believe i played with that string playing with a baseball bat <laughs> yeah and what sort of strings are the guys using now what's the most popular Everyone's using some sort of polyester, poly string, whether they use it fully in the full string bed, both mains and crosses are polyester, or they do what we call hybrid, where either the mains are polyester and the crosses might be a gut or the opposite way around. Everyone, I believe, now is using polyester to, to some degree. There'd be very few using full-on gut. I'm not sure, but I, I don't think anyone on tour is using full gut anymore. Probably gets expensive the way these guys are stringing up brackets as well. Yeah, yeah, it does. I think there might be a few women that use still use full gut, though. I'm not positive of that. Nice. I've never to this day still used it. One day. You've never used full gut? I've never used full gut. You're going to have to send me your address. I'll send you some gut. One day we'll use it. I haven't played tennis. We've been in lockdown here for months on end. So, But we're back now. We're back. But so it's not all pretty out there. It's not all going to Grand Slams, living the life. You know, COVID affected so many people in all forms of life. And if you'd asked me how did it affect you, I would have probably said maybe a little bit. You know, I'm sure there's still, there's still high performance people playing tennis. So I'm sure they're still stringing. You know, I'm sure the pros, the top guys, your P1 clients are still sending your rackets. But I did read on the New York Times, the article, and I was surprised to say how hard it hit you guys. And you've had to take another job. Well, the other job part is a little bit exaggerated. And that's probably my fault, not Chris Clary, who wrote it. What basically happened was the bulk of our job is working with pro players. We're not like a shop. When Nate and I are on the road, the office is closed. So when the tour shut down in March of last year of 2020, you know, that basically slowed everything down for us. What, what, what happened was it, it shut down, if you remember, just before Indian Wells. And in February, when we come back from the Australian Open, we work on a lot of customized rackets to get these guys batches of rackets because we know we're going to be in Indian Wells, Miami for a month, and then it goes right into the clay season. So we're well ahead on rackets because normally players might want a new set of rackets for clay. Well, when COVID shut the tour down, suddenly we had nothing to do in the office because we were already ahead. So there wasn't a lot of work to do. And obviously, the way our contracts work with the players, they pay us for going to tournaments. So if they're not going to tournaments, revenue drastically decreases for us. So we're in the office and we're doing a little bit of work, but for the majority of the day, you know, we're not really having things to do. So I was lucky enough to get a part-time job 
And I just figured that, you know, Nate's still paying me my salary and I would just take this part-time job in the afternoons. And then whatever I made at that job, I would just basically give back to the company just to defray some costs. So it wasn't like, oh my God, I have no money and and I have to get a part-time job. So I think it might've been a little exaggerated and maybe it wasn't as bad as it looked, but you know, our revenue dropped dramatically. So that, that was tough. Yeah. I'd say yeah, it can be tough when you rely on the tour to be alive and sure. When are you going to your next tournament? Are you going to the Roland Garros? I am. I'm going to Geneva next uh, Wednesday, and then I'll go probably straight to Roland Garros. Depending on our results of the clients there, I may come home for a few days, or I may just go straight to Halle and then straight to Wimbledon. So it's pretty. It's, it's pretty busy. Sounds like you're just traveling for Roger, is it? Well, he's 39 years old. You know, things change rapidly in health, but that's the plan. I go to Geneva for him, and then Roland Garros for all, Nate and I will be there for all the clients we're going to be stringing for, and then Halle for Roger. And any of, if any of our other clients are playing Halle, work there. Roger typically wants us to be wherever he goes. If he's playing a tournament, he's happy to uh, have one of us along. Nice. And he's not playing every week. He's not even playing all the Masters, so it's not like he's 25 again. No. Doing 35 weeks. What's the most weeks you've ever done in a year? I think I did 34 one year. Pretty busy. It's easier to travel now, though, than when I first started because just being able to pay all my bills online, like this, Zoom, or even you know FaceTime, things like this, keep in touch with friends and family. I remember when I first started traveling on tour, the big thing was all the players like, where did you get the cheapest phone card? So you could make phone calls. That was like a big deal. For, you know, where'd you get the phone card? Yeah, I remember the calling card, the international, you'd be going holidays. Yeah. Did you bring your traveler checks? Yeah, exactly. You know, there was two computers set up in a player's lounge and people were had to sign in to get 15 minutes of computer time to write emails. I mean, you can't even imagine that with smartphones now. And do you find back then was a better bond between all the players? Because obviously less time on the phone, there's more communication in person. Do you find anything's changed on the tour since then? Yeah, for sure. I think when I first started, you would go to tournaments, not 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 as much the Grand Slams, let's say, but like a, like a Hamburg. It's, it's, it's etched in my brain that all the players in the evening would be down in the lobby. They'd be playing cards. They'd just be hanging out talking because you didn't have, you didn't go back to your room and FaceTime with your family and that sort of thing. And there was probably less large group player teams back then as well. You know, you might have a coach and a player. A couple guys might have had a few guys might have had a physio, but that was pretty much the max. Would be we would see groups of like three people together in a team. Yeah, now they just tend to hang around with their team or with their country mates, probably. Or Yeah, a little bit more. It's a little sad that that's changed, but I can understand why it's changed. People talk about why players are playing longer in their careers. And I think the fact that you can maintain contact easier with family, like let's say a player is married or has children, or, or even they don't get homesick as much, you know, so mentally they can stay out, stay out on tour longer. And we don't have too many more questions here, but one I want to ask you, if, if you're getting married tomorrow, I'm not sure if you're married or not, Ron. I am married. Great. What players would you invite to your wedding? Well, I can tell you this, the amount of players that have to come to my wedding is extremely short. What players would I invite to my wedding? I, I would invite Tim Henman. I would invite Roger. I'd invite Stan, Vavrinka, Andy Murray, Marcus Bagdatis, John Isner. I'm going to leave people out for sure. I'm going to I'm going to offend people. So they're all good friends is what I'm trying to say. You've built up great relationships by working so closely with these guys. You know, some players, some clients we've had over the years, you you can tell that we're friendly with all our clients. We get along with them, but some want to build a little bit more of a uh, of a friendship. And so, which is fine. We're happy to do that. We're happy to be, you know, brought into a what we call like the inner circle. Um, and then some others, it's more of a business relationship, which which is perfectly fine too. So. 
Yeah, everybody's not, not different. Yeah, everybody's like, different. Well, people always ask me, are, are tennis players nice people? And, and I always say the same thing. I say, I'm an optimist in general about people. And I think most people are nice people or want to be a nice person. And tennis players are no different. They just have a much more high profile job. But most, most tennis players are extremely nice people. Yeah, no, look, I, I couldn't agree more from which from what I've met tennis players and from people working in tennis like yourself and the other, I don't know, 96, seven guests I've had on here. They've all been so nice and just like a normal person, really, with a bit more profile. But yes, yeah, so that, that's really interesting. Great to find out a bit more about you. Hopefully one day in the future, I'll see you at a slam or at a... Absolutely. Won't be for a while for me now, probably next year by the time I get back to tournament life. But yeah, thanks a lot for jumping on and best of luck with your clients. Hopefully Roland Garros, we get some good wins and Wimbledon as well. Yeah, absolutely. We're looking forward to it. Super thanks to Ron. It was great to talk about his tennis life and journey. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I'll be back next week. And until then, I hope you get out on the court. Bye. Bye.